It's Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, as you've spoken to me, Lord, I pray that today that you would speak directly through me. Uh, God, that this message would be about you, to you, for you, and through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. If you're just joining us, this is what we do. We go through the Bible and we're in Matthew chapter 4. So that's what we're doing. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Excuse me, him only you shall serve. I don't want to mess up the word of God. Then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. What's happening in this story? Uh, Jesus is just coming out of the wilderness. And so as he's coming out, this is the most truthful line in the whole entire Bible. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Uh, That's about as true as it gets. Uh, so Jesus comes out of the wilderness and uh, Satan meets him there. And so what happens is this battle of sorts where uh, Satan is using the word of God against Jesus to try to get Jesus to do stuff that Satan wants to do. And so Satan's like, oh, uh, turn this rock into a stone. And Jesus uses the word of God against him and says, no, man shall not live by bread alone. And then he's like, oh, well, uh, cast yourself down from here. And Jesus says, no, you're not supposed to tempt the Lord your God. And then uh, Satan says, well, I'll give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus says, no, you're only supposed to bow down to God only. And so throughout this whole entire story, what's happening is that Jesus is misusing the word of God against Jesus. Jesus is telling him exactly what what the word of God says um, so that he can uh, show us uh, how we can combat Satan, how we can get get through this life. Um, I prayed a lot this week about uh, this message. And I always ask the Lord, like, Lord, what do you, what do you want from this message? What, what do you want to say to your people? And uh, this is what I came up with. I, I really love donuts. I, um, and I don't, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love donuts. Like I absolutely love them. Uh, I changed my eating style about four years ago. And so I don't nearly eat as much donuts as I used to. It's a sad life. Um, uh, literally in the last four years, I've eaten less donuts than I typically would have ate in a month. Uh, when I used to eat donuts. Uh, it, I, I find it as no coincidence that the donut muffin factory changed owners when I stopped eating donuts. Uh, uh, I, I think I was the only person in Auburn that could get uh, get donuts on the finger. Like I could just be like, oh, I don't have any money today. Like, oh, Matt, you no problem. We know you come back. It'll be fine. Uh, so they, they literally would let me uh, get donuts. <laughs> on my word. And people are like, what? How does this guy get donuts without money? Like, oh, we know him. He'll be back. Um, I actually, I actually love all types of bread. 
I love pretzels and big, thick white bread. I love cinnamon rolls. I love breadsticks. I love bagels. Where's my people at, man? Like I, I never met a carbohydrate I didn't like. I just love bread. I just love it so much. I like French to- Who likes French toast, waffles, pancakes, biscuits? Whoo! I could ma- <laughs> finally preaching, right? I could make fresh bread all day, every day, and I could be fine. Here's the problem with that, though, is that Jesus says, you might be able to live on bread, but you can't really live. You can't live on bread alone. That's not enough. It's not, it's not enough in this world to believe that if you are just merely eating the world's sustenance and the world's food that you're going to make it. Jesus says the only way that you're going to make it in this world, he said it to Satan, but it speaks to us as well, is that man can't live on bread alone. Man, man can't just merely eat the food that's in front of him and be able to think like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm going to make it in, in this life. No, Jesus says you can't do that. You need the word of God. You need to feast on it. You need to know it. You need to live by it. This morning, we're going to be talking about the word of God, and it's only a two-point sermon. It'll take me 45 minutes to get through it, but it's only two points. And here's, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about feasting on the word of God. And I will tell you as your pastor, don't leave. Uh, this is the first year um, in my life that I have read the Bible every single day. Every single day. I have not missed one day in the calendar year 2020 with reading my Bible. Now, some of you might say, what? You're a pastor. You're supposed to read your Bible every day. Listen up, man. I'm human just like everybody else, <laughs> right? And, and you use all manner of excuses to uh, not read your Bible, uh, I'd use excuses like, oh, I'm going to preach today. I don't need to read the Bible or, Hey, I'm going to be uh, working on my sermon all day today. I don't need to read my Bible. Or I just spent all day reading my Bible yesterday while I was studying for this sermon. So I don't need to read my Bible today. And I will tell you uh, that this has been a transformative year for me with making the commitment that every single day, no matter what, I'm going to read my Bible. Uh, reading it when I'm on vacation, reading it when I'm tired. If I've got an early morning appointment, I set my alarm to get up. Now, mind you, I'm not saying that I'm doing an hour before the word. I'm saying I'm reading my Bible. Some days it's long. Some days it's short. Some days it's a chapter while I'm standing in the kitchen, chugging a, a, a bit of coffee before I head out the door. And so the commitment that I'm going to ask each and every one of you to make today is, would it be too much to ask that we're a church that reads our Bibles every day? Or does that seem outside the realm of possibilities? And some people would say like, well, that, now you're being legalistic. Listen, I'm not making it a requirement. I'm not coming to your house to check up on you. I'm not saying you're not a Christian if you don't do this. I'm not saying you're not going to make it to heaven if you don't read your Bible every day. I'm just kind of saying like, does it make sense that we as Christians can read our Bibles every day? Yes. You don't have to read a lot. I mean, some of you are going to take that as like, yes, like pastor only said one chapter. I don't have to read any more. You can read more. You can read less. But at the minimum, can we agree and say we're going to read our Bibles every day? It's transformed my life. I believe it'll transform yours as well. I just want to encourage you to do whatever it takes to remind yourself to do that. The first point of the sermon is this, is that we live by the word of God. We live by the word of God. It says in Matthew chapter four, verse four, but he, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Now at Faith and Victory Church, you will hear me talk a lot about the Bible here. You will hear uh, all of our preachers talk about the Bible here because it's something that we believe in, that we preach, and we stake our lives on. We, we literally stake our lives on what the Bible says. And some people say, well, shouldn't you stake your lives on Jesus? I would not know who Jesus was if it was not for the word of God. I have staked my belief in Jesus based on what the word of God says, not on what somebody else says, but, but, but on what the word of God says about who Jesus is. Therefore, my life is completely and totally dependent on what the word of God says. Now, the Bible has standards, the Bible has requirements, the Bible has guidelines. <clears throat> Excuse my throat this morning, I switched to menthol. Um, and uh, why is that funny? I tell you, man, those Marlboros will kill you. The menthols are healthy. Um, that's such a joke. I, I don't know why my, I think it's the cold. That's right what it is. I don't have anything. I don't have it, okay? I already had it in August. Um, where am I at in this thing? The problem, here's the problem that people have with the Bible. Uh, the, the Bible has uh, re- requirements, restrictions, and guidelines. And for some people that have never lived their lives by any sort of code or restraint, uh, they find it very controlling. They find it very demanding because it is a very controlling, demanding book if you submit yourself to it. But some people have never submitted to anything. They've never submitted to their boss or their spouse or their parents or anything. They live in a heart of rebellion. And so when you come and you say, man, we need to submit to the word of God, it, it, it hurts them. They're like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Friend, we put our full trust in the Bible. You believe that you're going to heaven based on what the Bible says. You believe that you are forgiven of your sins based on what the Bible says. You believe that God speaks to you because of the Bible. You believe that you can hear and communicate with God. We believe in the stories. This Bible literally directs the affairs of my life. Every last part of my life is directed by what this Bible says. It directs how I live in my marriage, with my kids, with my finances, with people that I meet on the street, when I'm alone. The way that I live my life is 100% connected to what I watch on TV, what I listen to, the foods that I eat. All of that is completely connected to what the Bible says. I am directed in all aspects of my life by the Bible. Now, when I first got saved, I got saved when I was 15 years old. I got saved at a summer camp. After I got saved, I said to the guy, what do I do now? And he said, go get a Bible, read it, do what it says. And I literally, this isn't hyperbole. I, I, I'll tell you a little side note. I never lie in my stories, in my, in, in my sermons. I know some pastors do to embellish. I will never lie in a sermon and any of my stories. I will be emphatic about them, but I will never lie. And so I literally, the, the Monday morning after I got saved, I got on my bicycle and I rode my bike down to the Christian bookstore uh, in Greenwood, Washington on 85th. And I went down there and I walked in and I said, I became a Christian this weekend. They said I had to buy a Bible. And they handed me a student Bible, an NIV 84. I could take you over to my office. I still have it. Man, I love the NIV 84, man. You know, side note, Zondervan changed it. And now the NIV is not a good translation. I encourage you to stay away from it. But the NIV 84, man, that was a solid Jesus loving translation. I have since got saved from um, NKJV. Anyway, what am I talking about? So 
I went, I got the Bible. And before I got saved, I never knew what the Bible meant. Like before you get saved, you read it you're like, what does this even mean? And then all of a sudden a 15 year old regenerated mind can decipher what God's word says. It can understand what God is trying to teach you. And so I began to read it and highlight it. And, and it just began to direct my life. And, and I still have it. Uh, wh- why do we have Bibles? Because it's central to our faith. And, and, and people, people will say, well, I don't need to read my Bible to believe in Jesus. And I would say, that's a lie. Because what I find is people that don't read their Bibles believe in a Jesus that isn't in the Bible. They've made up a Frankenstein Jesus, little pieces and parts they pull together and they say things like, well, Jesus would never judge and, and Jesus would never say that. And Jesus would never hurt anybody's feelings. And, and, and God is only love. And, and I'm like, but you don't read your Bible. So you don't know what it says. If you would read your Bibles, you would know exactly what it says. Some will say that this Bible is irrelevant But friend, this is the best selling, most studied, translated, distributed book in the history of humanity. This is one of the only books in the world that people are actually afraid of. Governments are afraid of this book in the hands of its people. People people that don't even serve God are like afraid of it. You're like, Bible. And they're like, oh, no, no. And you're like, ah, Bible. Ooh, Romans, Romans. He's so afraid of this thing, man. Why are they so afraid of the Bible? I know, I could get funny. If you guys wouldn't laugh, I wouldn't make the jokes. You guys have to learn to just be like, sad, sad man. But why, why, why does, why does the Bible, Todd, if you make a video of that part for this week on Facebook, (laughs) Dunsky, better be a little bit more holy than that. All I am is, I am literally just Todd's Facebook fodder. That's all I am. So Todd can do Facebook. Why, why, why does this direct our lives? I'm going to teach you a big uh, $5 word, verbal plenary inspiration. Verbal plenary inspiration. What does that mean? Uh, it's Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. That is what verbal plenary inspiration means. Verbal, every single word. Every single word, plenary, all parts, all parts of this Bible are divinely authoritative inspiration and that God guided the process. This is why when people say, oh, you know, Bible is written by a man, they don't understand that God directed the process of this book being written. Verbal plenary inspiration means that every word in the Bible, all the parts of it in its entirety is authoritative by God. And because God who guided the process of it being written and recorded in history, we can submit to its authority in our lives, in all manner of doctrine and decisions of our lives. 
Second Peter 1.21 says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Unlike the Book of Mormon, one guy up in some uh, you know, part of New York State that was a failed carnival man didn't sit down one day and write out a scripture that he could control the world with and have extra wives. Men went by under, the, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to record what God was doing, and was able to be moved by the Holy Spirit, by God, to use those words to change the world. Second Peter one twenty one: the prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. As they're writing these things, the Holy Spirit is actually doing it through them. This Bible was written by over, not over, this Bible was written by 40 authors over 1,500 years. And God directed over many continents, these 40 different authors put together this book over 1,500 years. We live in the most technologically advanced uh, time that we've ever lived in, and we can't even count ballots, (laughs) right? But somehow, these backwards, no electricity, can't do anything right type of people were able to make a a whole entire group of scriptures, 40 authors on different continents over 1,500 years, and it all fits together. This thing is divinely inspired. This thing comes from God. This is what God gave us to know him and what he was about. Jesus said this about the Old Testament, Luke 16, 17, and it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. That word tittle means small. We're jotting tittle. It's just a tiny little minuscule part. Jesus is saying, you know what? Even in the Old Testament, there's no way that this thing is not going to be fulfilled. This thing is not going to go forward because God is in the scriptures. That's why when people try to discount the Old Testament, the Old Testament was the Bible that Jesus used. Jesus used the Old Testament. The early Christians used the Old Testament to lead people to Christ. That's that's why I get so upset and I'm naming names. Andy Stanley said, detach your faith from the Old Testament. That dude is wrong. That's heretical. That's not of God. And if anybody's saying anything heretical, I think they believe to be named. Jesus used the Old Testament. We use the Old Testament. Early Christians led people to Christ through the Old Testament. We use the Old Testament as well. It's God's holy word. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 15, 4, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Paul, the former Christian-killing Jew, says everything was written for us. Who, who can testify this morning that, that the Bible has changed their life? Who can testify to that this morning? Who can testify that the Bible redirected your path, that the Bible comforted you and loved you and spoke to you and inspired you, helped you and healed you, changed you? How many times couldn't you sleep? And you said, man, I just, I need to hear from God before I can sleep. I don't feel forgiven. I'm just going to keep reading scriptures until I feel forgiven. I don't feel loved. I'm just going to read it until I feel loved. That's why the psalmist could say in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. 
every last part of this Bible, every jot and tittle, meaning every small part, every word, if it's, if if there's a word that's plural or not, that's because God wanted it that way. If it's included or not, it's because God wanted it that way. And it's all there to teach us something and shouldn't be discounted for any reason. This is the word of God. It's why we defend this thing so deeply. It doesn't change because God doesn't change. And in this backwards, weird world that we live in, man, this is literally the only thing we have left that isn't going to change. Like we live in bizarro world, man. Like there's literally like, what? Like we're literally arguing about things that are like, why are we arguing? This is an argument now. I, I have to, what? And it ain't going to get any easier. Now more than ever, we need a standard. We need a plumb line. We need something we can say, you know what? I don't know about anything else. I don't know what the, everybody else is doing, but this is where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in God's word. I'm going to live by God's word. And I'm ready to fail, die based on God's word. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to play this namby-pamby halfway somewhat between I need to make friends so I'm going to twist the scriptures and rip out pages of the Bible kind of Christianity. I ain't doing that. I'll tell you that much. Proverbs 35 and 6, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you should be found a liar. Now, the, the words themselves have no power. Right? We, we read it in our English language. It was written in the uh, Aramaic and Greek and Hebrew is all these four. I don't speak those languages. But, but if, if, if you read open to the Bible and it says the word according, the word according has no power. It's just a word. But the groupings of the words and as they fit together in the sentences and the paragraphs and the chapters and the books, that the, the actual letters and words, they have no power, right? They're just mere words. But you put all those things together and that's where the power comes in. And all of it is God's word. All of it. It's God speaking to us. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So it was in the beginning. We talked about this last week. The Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so when we're able to read our Bibles, this is literally God speaking to us. People say, I can't hear from God. I've never heard the audible voice of God in my life before. I never have. But I hear him every time I read the, I read the Bible. I hear him speaking directly, being like, Matt, this is for you. You need to stop doing that or you need to start doing this. I want you to feel this way about me. I want you to connect with me on this thing. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The word is powerful. God said, my word will not return to me void. That which I speak, it will go out and accomplish that which I have intended it to do. That, that's why we defend it so deeply. That's, that's why we study it and we love it and we preach it because it's central to who we are and what we do. That's why we set aside time on Sundays and Wednesdays to hear from God's word. 
You have to think when we gather uh, as people of faith, we spend half of what we do hearing from God's word. We spend half of our time worshiping, we, uh, worshiping God. We spend the other half of our time hearing God speak to us. And so when a preacher comes up, they have studied, God has spoken to them. And now really all we're doing is just telling you what God's word says in an emphatic way and explain it to you so you can apply it to your life. But it is cosmically important when the preaching of the word of God happens. This isn't fun time. Like I understand, I understand I can be entertaining at times, but it's not my job to entertain you. I just, you just happen to be at a church where the pastor is amazingly funny, right? And humble. But it's not my job. Like, hold on, little side note. Do you guys realize that if I really wanted to make you guys laugh, we could just laugh all, all Sunday. Like, and I love, dude, I love making people laugh. I really do. (laughs) But it's like, this time is more important than that. You know, I I throw in some jokes here and there because you just couldn't breathe if all we did was, you know what I mean? So I kind of like take a breath and like, thank you, gosh, that was fun to laugh. And I'm like, you vile sinners. And then just kind of come back into it, you know? But it's, I mean, it's cosmically important. And so it's important that we take it as such. Like, like literally, I, I believe that when we're hearing underneath the word of God, we should just be like, all right, God, what are you speaking? Yes. Yeah. What are you speaking? Right now? And even right now, God is speaking to some of you so distinctly. Some of you have cheapened the word of God and God is convicting you right now and saying, don't cheapen my word. Some of you have not loved it, not studied it, not given a primary place in your life. And the Holy Spirit is like, get on track, get this. That's what the word of God does. It convicts you of righteousness. And then you have a choice like, oh my gosh, I need to fall under God's word. Or I'm going to like, I'm going to go live my life. I'm going to do how I want to do. But that's what the word of God does, man. If you really respected it, you'd give it your full attention. You wouldn't miss anything. That's why I get frustrated when people are playing on their phones. People are talking during the sermon. It's not because I'm some, you know, taskmaster. It's like, man, God is speaking. And what's funny is because I know people's stories. A lot of times the thing that is the most important that you need to be hearing, you're on your phone and talking to somebody instead of listening to what God's trying to do that will set you free. That's, that's why, like, I hate missing church because, like, I, there's areas in my life that I need change. And then you, you miss out on the word and be like, oh, my gosh, the oil fell off the walls and God showed up and my life was changed. And I'm like, I really probably could have used that word. And I will sit through years of sermons that I get nothing out of for that one sermon that breaks me. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Man, that should encourage and scare you at the same time. The word of God can discern the thoughts and intents of our hearts. If you allow it, friend, it will change you. It will change everything about you. Jesus said this in Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, but he said more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Do you, do you know why people don't live by the word of God is because they do not want to do what it says. That's why they're afraid, like they're afraid to read it because if you read it, then you're accountable to it. And then you like, you kind of have, it's, it's kind of like politicians that don't read the constitution, right, oh, Tiffany? Right. I mean, if you, if you read it, then you'd have to have to stay, uh, stay in line with it. 
People don't want to forgive people. They want to hold grudges. They want, to, they want to hold grudges for decades and say, oh, I never forgave that person. And the Bible says that's wrong. The Bible says you have to serve people. They don't want to serve people. They want to serve themselves. The Bible says that you shouldn't be a complainer, but they love to hold on to their complaining ways. They want to spend their money the way they want to. They want to have lust and envy and greed in their hearts. They want their own time and they want their own lives. And the Bible is an all-encompassing, all-demanding book that says you do not have anything in your life that belongs to you. Nothing. It all belongs to God. Full submission to God in every area of your life. There's no, this, this idea of me time is a lie from the pit of hell. You don't get me time. None at all. Because you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And so every part of your life is submitted to God in every area of your life. And that's why people, then they know this. They know that's what the Bible demands. That's why they run from it. That's why they don't want to have it. And Jesus says to these people, if you are just trying to live on bread, donuts aren't going to cut it, man. Sadly, like donuts do not get you into heaven. And, and bread is just a metaphor for food, but you might be able to live on this. And, and, and people say, well, you know, I, I have an okay life and, you know, my bills are somewhat paid and my marriage is somewhat good. And uh, I have some food in my belly and, and you can live, you can have a life, but you're not living and you're not alive because yeah. yeah. Jesus says, you want know that's not enough. And those of us that read our Bibles and, and love Jesus and have him as Lord of our lives know that like we're so above the, the rest of this world. The world's like, ah, oh, I'm just like, oh, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm just going to go worship Jesus. I'm going to read his word. It's what I was doing five years ago and 10 years ago and 20 years ago for the most important election in our history every four years. Like find a new tagline, man. I mean, and listen, I'm about to riff here for a second. It's never as bad as they say, and nothing ever happens that they say that they're going to say. Like they were like, oh, if Trump gets elected, the world's going to stop spinning on his axis. Here we are four years later. Same thing with Biden. Oh, Biden gets elected, everything's going to end. And four years from now, it's going to be some other election with some other old guy that, you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, this is the end. You know what? I... I, I really don't feel like it's the, the, like, it was the end long before this election, yeah. okay? <laughs> America took a right turn decades ago. It wasn't like they were holding church on the front lawn of the White House up until this week. Like, it's just not, okay? America has lost its way long before this week. And even more so now, we need to direct our eyes and our ears and our hearts towards the word of God says, because really that's where the, only, that's where the hope can be found is in Jesus and his word. And so you see the rest of this stuff and, and you're just like, all right, whatever. Um, like, is there still pork though? Like, can we still have ribs? Like, cause I just want some ribs and chocolate as we're all going down. It'll be fine. Here, here's what I've seen through my ministry and I'm going to hurt some feelings this morning. Um, because um, it's about my wife and some things that she hasn't been doing correctly. <laughs> Only submit by mutual consent. <laughs> that was, that was, you guys missed that. So we got to get that at home. Did, did anybody get that? All right. Thank you. <laughs> you start my red. All right, let's go. All right. This is serious business. Here's what I've seen through my ministry. People that hang around that don't love and live by the word. 
I've seen it, man. We've been doing this thing for 17 years. And, I, and I've seen people that come through this church. And our church isn't exceptional. It happens in every church. People that come in, they love the relationships. They love it when I make them laugh, when they're not listening to anything else about what's going on. They say, oh man, that was a really funny thing that happened, that interaction with your life. It was a great sermon. Did you listen to what we just talked about? Like it, it just missed it. They hang around. They don't love and live by the world. I live by the word. And so you know what happens? They end up becoming reprobates. They, they completely lose their way. There, there's people that say that they're a Christian and they want to live for Christ, but they refuse to read their Bibles and do what it says. And so they fall by the wayside. They fall away. They have disobedient children and failed marriages. They die in their sins and they live sickly lives. And as a pastor, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, live by the word, man. Live by the word. Your marriage will be great and your job will be great and your health will be great and everything will be great. But you refuse to submit to the word of God and you go down this path of destruction. You lose everything and you say, why did God fail me? God did not fail you. He gave you an instruction manual that you refuse to live by. And now you find yourself dead in your transgressions once again because you refuse to live by the word. Here's the second part of this sermon. We don't misuse the word of God. Verse seven, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. See in this story, Satan is the tempter. And it says, the tempter came and he said, uh, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, if you will fall down and worship me. And, and all of those statements are statements that Satan is using the word of God against the word of God, Jesus, to try to get him to act uh, contrary to the word of God. And, and I, I really wish that Jesus would have brought some more sarcasm in this story of like, really dummy? Like I'm the word and you're trying to use it against me. Let me, let me show you how it's done, right? No, notice, notice how uh, Satan knows and uses the word of God. He misuses it, but nonetheless, he uses it. And this has been Satan's plan from the beginning of time. This is, he, he, you know, Satan thinks that he's not cunning. You know, the, the Bible says that when we look upon him, we will look at him and say, this is the one that made the nations tremble. It, it's, it's like the Wizard of Oz. You're going to pull back thing and like, this is it? This is the guy? And he's like, sorry, man, this is all I got. Like, boop, like you're done, right? Satan only has very simple plans and his plan has always been from the beginning to get us to believe that God's word is not true and that God did not mean what he meant to say. He always does this cosmic redirect. Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, has God indeed said, and and that, and that uh, right there is, is, is really that cosmic uh, redirect that I'm talking about where uh, Eve is in the garden and, and God had clearly spoken to them, don't eat from the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Satan comes along and goes, hey, can't really say that. God's word, what God spoke. Because if, if he didn't say that, then, you know, he didn't really mean that. Let's just go and do something else. And that's the same thing that Satan does today to each and every one of us. We, we, we know the word, we know what it says. And then something comes up and we're like, ah, God really mean that? I'm not sure he really meant that. Like, yeah. ah, maybe I'm just going to do something a little bit different. We, we misdirect it and we misuse it and we turn into other things. 
And this happens uh, through preaching as well. Uh, preaches and churches that go and try to get people to go against the word of God because they're worried about buckets and nickels and noses and all this other stuff. And so, you know, they want to change with the times and uh, be as loving as humanly possible to the point of throwing out the word of God. And then they just say things like that. Like, oh, did God really say that? I'm not really sure. Was that a standard forever or... Like, uh, like, do we really still have to do that? Because there's, you know, the world has changed. And so, you know, we're going to just change what God's word says. Friend, the answer is no, no, we can't do that. We can't allow that to happen in our church or in our lives at all. And, and it, this isn't a, a new development. This happened in the New Testament. Paul had to spend a lot of times in the New Testament letters uh, redirecting and correcting the new churches that had just started because they were already getting bad theology. They're already getting bad doctrine. They're being led astray. Uh, and there was issues about like circumcision and foods to eat and days to keep holy and Sabbath and that kind of stuff. And a lot of that is described in Colossians chapter two, if you want to go and read that. And what, what Paul was doing, he, he was refuting people that were trying to gain godliness through any other means except through faith in Christ. They, they were trying to do all this stuff to say, well, I'm going to be in a good standing before God and I'm going to be used, uh, I'm going to get my righteousness through this. And Paul's like, man, how have you so quickly gone away from the elementary teachings of Christ? Like put all your faith in Jesus. You don't have to work for your salvation. It's already been earned. It's already been taken care of. And so those corrective things that Paul had to do was because people were known to drift away from true doctrine. And that was within the first hundred years of Christianity. How much more so now that we're thousands of years away from it. But you know, that's, that's what happens when people are self-serving preachers and they put a yoke of bondage on someone instead of setting them free. Um, and, and, and this is how you can always tell is that they will, they will preach something that they don't believe and they will put something on someone that they have no intention of doing themselves. And, and, it, and it creates this pharisaical spirit of like, well, you should do this and you should live this way. I'm not going to do it and I'm going to live this way, but I'm going to misuse the word of God to control you and, and to manipulate you for my own selfish means. It's not, and that pharisaical spirit comes from, that word comes from the Pharisees. And Jesus had to correct the Pharisees because the Pharisees were misusing the Old Testament to control the people. And, and, and so Jesus said to them in Matthew 23, 4, he says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. <laughs> uh, he's saying to them, you know what? Quit using the word of God to manipulate people when you have no intention of doing that yourself. That's misusing scriptures. That, that's misusing scriptures. But this, this is the world that we live in where people misuse the Bible all the time. But uh, again, that's that's why I, I bang on people that say that we need to detach our faith from the Old Testament. That's why I tell people that we, when people say, well, I'm just a red letter Christian. Uh, well, no, like th that doesn't work. That's that's not a Christian. What that is, that's a selective Christian that thinks that. And, and frankly, if you just want to play the red letter game, there's more than enough to keep you busy for the rest of your life just in the red letters. But God didn't give us a pamphlet. He gave us a book, Right. Um, and, and so we need to take the whole entire thing from Genesis to Revelation. But what's happening and, and, and what, 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 what I'm always trying to do with us and with you specifically is I'm trying to, I'm trying to protect you and guide you as we move into these new phases of where we are, right? 
Because um, th- this is literally the time we're coming into. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables. This is why many people will come and visit our church once and never leave it and never come back. It's because I will say things and they'll say, man, that guy is so judgmental or whatever. And those are just people that don't know what their Bible says. If you know your Bible, you read your Bible, you're never like, oh yeah, I know that. I read that like last whatever, you know, but if, if you don't read your Bibles, then you'll never, you know, be able to sit underneath the word and say like, yeah, amen. That's good. I appreciate that. But if you know it, you can appreciate it and you can rejoice in it. Amen. Because what happens is, and, and, and this is what you have to be careful of, is that when it comes to twisting the word of God, it's always the same things. Always. Uh, issues of sexual morality. People want to believe in sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. All these other different types of things. People that say, oh, you know, we've been living together and it's fine. It's like we're married. Like all these things. No, like that's not what, that's not what the word of God teaches. They twist the means of salvation, trying to make it that you have to work for your salvation instead of God's free gift of grace through Jesus Christ. They, they try to um, twist the scriptures when it comes to uh, being able to live like the world and not like God's standards. Like, oh man, you're just a legalist. And, you know, oh, man, why are you putting the, come on, brother. You know, it's the people from the 60s, honestly, free love. And no offense to anybody that's here, but a, a large part of the problems that we have in the modern day church is completely connected to the people of the 60s that want to bring this free love, daisy type of stuff into Jesus. And then they started selling the love of God as the panacea to bring people to God instead of telling people about the wrath of God that they're resting under that they need to be delivered from. I digress. They twist the scriptures when it comes to dealing with tithing. It's funny as people that don't even know the word of God could give you like 10 scriptures of why they think they don't need to tithe. Hilarious. Paul had some advice when you get around these type of people. Romans 16, seven and eight. Now I urge you brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine, which you learned and avoid them and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and a flattering speech, they they deceive the hearts of the simple. I'll give you an example. If you divorce your spouse for unbiblical reasons, I will not be your friend. I'm not interested with it. I won't be your friend on Facebook. I I won't be your friend. We we don't get to hang out anymore. Like we're not going to be buddies or pals. I won't mention you as a friend because you are now living contrary to the word of God. People say, well, you know, they need love and grace. Yeah, they do. But the Bible says I have to give them love and grace. It doesn't say I have to be friends with them. I'm not going to come by and sign off on your sin when you say, well, because the people say, well, you know, behold the plans I have for you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And my old spouse of the rag, that's why I had to leave. And now I'm free. Look at me on Facebook with my new whatever. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not playing those games. I don't do that at all. And people say, well, you're mean and you're judgmental. No, I'm not. What I'm doing is I am... I'm being, I'm not going to hang around with people that, uh, uh, where is it? Yeah. Cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine you learned and avoid them. Only them by the word of God. I'm just avoiding those people. I don't have anything to do with those people because they're living contrary to the word of God. I also don't hang out with drunkards. I don't hang out with thieves. I don't hang out with adulterers. I don't hang out with those people. 
I'm just not. And people say, well, you know, Jesus hung out with sinners. No, I'll tell them the word of God. I'll talk to them about the word of God says, but you're not coming over to my house and eating chicken wings. We're being buddies. Like it's just, it's just not happening. I, I, not at all. And you can tell these people from a mile away because they don't desire righteousness. They don't desire righteousness at all. They want you to come alongside their sin, twist some scriptures and, and have Pastor Matt come around and be like, hey man, we're friends, we're buddies, right? I'm dead. I'm... You know what's funny is I found out this thing. People that don't pay tithe love to take me out to a steak dinner. I've choked on, I figured it out, man. It figured, it took me a couple years to figure out because there's people that used to attend this church. Like, Hey, I want to take you out to a steak dinner. And then I, and then I'm like eating the steak and I'm like, wait, you're not a tither. Like, are you a tither? Oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm eating the sacrificial lamb. Like I'm, I'm literally like, <laughs> what am I doing here, man? Cause they're trying to appease me and God thinking like I bought a $30 steak for the chubby preacher. And all of a sudden, like I'm in God's graces where it's like, Dude, I don't need your steak. You need to be on, you need to be honoring God with the first fruits of your increase. And people now, hey, you want to go to a steak dinner? Do you tithe? Because I ain't eating the sacrificial lamb, man. I ain't doing that. No way. This is the end time prophecy. This is the end that was spoken of. First Timothy four one. Now the Spirit expressly says, and that in the latter time some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There's so many arguments that I have with people that are professing Christians who live contrary to the scriptures. Clear, demonstrative scriptures that they refuse to follow. The gospel is simple. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Turn from your sins, embrace forgiveness. Galatians 1, 6 and 9, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. And the only way that you can keep yourself from false doctrine is you have to know what the word of God says. Says. And if not, you will turn away from the things of God. Uh, if you know what it says, you can always defeat Satan. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said to him, verse 10, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus knew the word of God so that he could fight Satan. And if, and, and if he didn't use that, he couldn't fight Satan. You have got to know the word of God. Yeah. This is why the only people that argue with, uh, with my preaching is people that don't read their Bibles. People that read their Bibles are like, amen, pastor, I knew that. And hey, good job. Like, I'm glad that you said it. But people that don't know their Bibles always have a problem with what the Bible says. So don't misuse the word of God. Don't use it to manipulate people like Satan did to Jesus. Don't use it to justify your sin and live in unrepentant sin. Don't twist it to indulge in fleshly lusts. This whole story is about Satan trying to get Jesus to act a certain way and Jesus combating Satan with the word of God. And so we can use the word of God against Satan. We're not going to let him manipulate us. And so we're going to live according to the word of God. Amen. Amen. I want to leave you with the challenge this morning. Leave you with that challenge that says, can I, and someone's going to say you're being, you don't have to do this. You don't even have to be here, man. Go out and need some carrot sticks or something. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever it is that you want to do. But I don't think, is it too much to ask that we're a church that reads our Bibles every day? 
I'm not going to come check up on you. I'm not going to come like, did you read your, like, I'm just saying like, set up your life in such a way that you can read your Bible every single day. There, there's apps like set, like get a bunch of dollar Bibles and put them on the foot of your bed. And when you step out, you land on the, the word is a lamp unto my feet. Like, you know what I mean? Like do whatever it takes to be able to read God's word and watch what it does to your life. Man, who would commit to that this morning? Every day, every day. I'm, I saw who didn't raise their hands. I'll be coming to you after service. I took a picture with the camera. I said, oh, I see you all. Don't want to read God's word, huh? Because it'll change your life. It honestly will. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Hey, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I'd like to invite you to become one. And it's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you're giving heart to Jesus or you haven't. The Bible says if you're not a Christian, you are dead in your sins. You're dead in your transgressions. God's wrath is on you. And he gives you free grace and says, you know what? Just turn from your sins and come turn towards me and allow me to set you free. Allow me to forgive you. And if you've never made that decision before, never, this is the first time you'd say, you know what, pastor, I'm ready to become a Christian. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. You don't have to be ready. You just have to take the first step. Jesus wants to set you free. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time? like to pray with you. Just raise your hand. We'll have somebody pray with you. Is there anybody that wants to do that for the first time? Thank you. I always like to ask for people if there's anybody that needs to rededicate their lives. You've been far from God for a couple years and just lost your way. You're like, man, I don't know what happened, but I've been lost, lost. I need to come back to Jesus. And this isn't going to be superstitious. I'm redirecting my life today. I'm leaving that life of sin. And I'm going to be living for Jesus from this point forward. Is there anybody that needs to make that declaration this morning? I'd like to pray with you as well. Thank you, Lord. Now, for the rest of us, the message is simple. We want to live by the Word of God. We don't want to misuse it. And the little asterisk is, let's read our Bibles every day. If you need to make that commitment to would you just quietly make that to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I eat every day. I can't can't live on bread alone. I have to live by what proceeds from your mouth. So God, before I even eat, I'm going to feast on your word. Father, we pray today that this word go deep down into our hearts. God, we pray that uh, we would live by your word, that we wouldn't misuse it. God, I pray for those people that are, are struggling to make that commitment to read their Bibles every day. Lord, I pray that you would help them in the way that you helped me this year to be committed every single day to read your word. Father, we thank you. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you guys so much for watching and joining us. We'll see you next week. We love you. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.